This is Jeremy from the Nerd Out Loud podcast, and I pay money to Patreon every month just to help alleviate the guilt I feel from not listening to I Doubt It with Dolomore. And Brittany, we're worried about you. Blink twice if you're being held against your will. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, here we are. December 30th, 2015. Our final show of the year, number 183 of I Doubt It with Dolomore. I am your host, Jesse Dolomore. Sitting across from me, the lovely, assertive, take action co-host, Brittany Page. Here we go. <laughs> wow. What? what Here we go. What kind of reaction was that? That's... I just, I know what you're going to be talking about next, and <laughs> I don't really appreciate how I'm likely to be portrayed, but let's proceed. No, no. How would I poorly portray you after what you did yesterday there's not there was no negative react no there's no negative way to explain what went down because ladies should just sit still and <laughs> deal with whatever is happening around them no, like nice ladies i disagree well <laughs> since since we're here here's what happened it it will it, it is what will go down in history as the Pistachio incident, I believe. We, Brittany Page and I, went to the Hateful Eight Roadshow showing. It's a 70 millimeter showing of the Hateful Eight, the, ta- the new Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. And did you say we saw it on the 70 millimeter? I I did. Yeah, that's. I was paying attention. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Why don't you stop typing or? Okay, so I have a lot going on right now. but Finishing I'm, your thesis, whatever you're doing. That's what I'm doing, but I'll focus right now. Here we we're go. We're doing a show. I know. I'm focused right now. Do you it's notice just, the lights blinking over here on the board? Okay, what and, I should have done was put all my papers away because I'm having a hard time not looking at them. But okay, let's <laughs> let's go. So as I stated before, and then Brittany reiterated, and I will state again, we went to the 70 millimeter road show of Hateful Eight. It is a packed packed theater yeah we got there and they they apparently were letting people line up two hours before the show time we didn't know that so we right. got there and there was a massive line already but luckily we got a pretty decent seat yeah we did and so i say that that it was full to to indicate that it was asshole to elbow yes. it was everybody there were no empty seats no you couldn't have you know that empty seat on the side of you no just for your comfort yeah, no buffer no so we're sitting, we're crammed in between people, like, and they're crammed in between people. <laughs> well, there's a, a couple of gentlemen to my left, a son and, and father, I presumed, mm-hmm. and all is well, the movie starts, and to explain the movie, the movie's over three hours long, and in the middle of the movie, there's an intermission, mm-hmm. because that's, I guess, the way old roadshow movies used to be, and... Between the time the movie started and the halfway point, the the father 
who was on the outside. It was me, the son, and then and then the father to mm-hmm. my left. Uh, before the intermission, the father had gotten on his cell phone two different times and was dicking around on his phone. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of lame because it's these very very lame. These tickets were more than normal movie tickets because of the eighteen bucks a piece. Because of the seventy millimeter thing, yeah. seven seventeen fifty a piece. Right, because this version that we saw is like five minutes longer than the digital version. It has this beginning music playing, and there's then it no has previews. Right, there's no previews, <laughs> and then it has the intermission, and all those things and aren't included. It's seventy millimeter. It's just a different format right so it's like this special kind of event type thing and it was more expensive and so it's weird to kind of go to this thing where you paid more and it's this special thing so obviously you're excited to be there right and then you get on your freaking phone with the light glaring in everybody's face well it's it, it i would say it's probably more egregious and it's already fucking egregious to break out your phone during a movie if it's an emergency Get go get up and walk out of there and go do your thing. Mm-hmm. Don't interrupt everybody else. Yes, but that's not even the worst part of what happened, as previously indicated by the title of this infamy, which is the pistachio incident. Well, after the 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 intermission, twelve minute intermission, everybody gets reseated. The movie starts up again, and you enjoy the time. Well. After we got back, these two gentlemen to my left broke out a couple of sandwich baggies filled to the brim with uncracked pistachio nuts. <laughs> now, pistachios are definitely a tasty treat. Oh, they are delicious, yes, Brittany Page. Yes, I love them. Not the best movie treats. Not, well, they probably are a very good movie treat for taste. Yes. Because they are tasty. Mm-hmm. However, they are not an appropriate Movie treat. <laughs> no. That is why soft chocolate is typically a, a good movie treat. Yes. Because it is quiet. Yes. Well, they began to crack their pistachio nuts open and devour them with great vigor. <laughs> and it wasn't even the cracking and munching upon the snack that bothered me as much as what seemed to be like they were Major League Baseball pitchers throwing... <laughs> The discarded pistachio nut shells, husks, if you will, to the ground. Like they were pissed off and just throwing them full speed on the ground. Real aggressive throwing of the shells to the ground, which was not carpeted. So they made a clickety-clack, clickety-clickety, clickety-clack sound as they fell to the ground. And it was every, you know, like 25 seconds or oh, something. Or more, because they're both eating. Right. So I, I lean, I'm already frustrated because the father has been on his phone twice. And I look over each time and kind of stare, hoping they'll get the message. And I'm already frustrated. So I lean over to Brittany and I say, are you, are you fuck, I'm whispering, hey, are you fucking, are you getting this? Do you see what's happening over here? They're eating pistachios and throwing them on the ground. And I'm trying to be calm. Mm-hmm. And Brittany knows that I'm already frustrated because we've already spoken about the phone situation during the intermission. So Brittany, with no warning, jumps up, scoots past me in front of me to the left, leans between the two gentlemen, and says, 
Could you throw those on the carpet and not the ground? Right. Carpet meaning like... Just right now. He was sitting to, on the edge. Yeah, to the left where the stairs are. That's carpet. Right. He was sitting on the edge of the aisle. And so all he would have had to do was just put it on the carpeted stair right next to him. Right. Rather than dropping it onto the ground. Dropping the two shells each time right. onto the ground. Which there was already, by this point, a pile of shells between the two gentlemen. Right. And all he said, by the way, was, yes. Well, <laughs> it's very funny the way he answered. It was clear to me he wanted this entire scene done with. He did. He wanted you away from him because he didn't He didn't know where this was going to lead. And yes, okay, yes, please just go sit down. Well, I also, I felt kind of awkward because I was wearing heels. So I was six feet tall or taller. Right. Yeah. And um, it was hard for me to get up and kind of bend down so i'm not standing up in front of the movie and, and blocking interrupting every everyone behind us right so yeah. i think that was part of it like you know quickly you stop talking to me and go sit down you're 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 drawing attention to me kind of a thing right sure um which i said it quiet and i said it just matter of factly you know i didn't say please or anything or thanks well that's that, that's kind of what i wanted to get to is it is awesome that you are in, in, here's the deal about britney page britney page is not rude or aggressive she is assertive and she took care of biz this maybe we should have ended with this and with the little taking care of biz because you you handled this and the reason it took britney page to handle this is because i am disabled in this way i'm there's two versions of me maybe maybe britney will back me up on this maybe not but I, there are two versions there are there is the there is the gregarious extrovert people person who loves everybody and wants to have a good time and there is the asshole who there once the switch is flipped on I, I guess what i'm saying is i don't have the ability i don't know how to lean over and just say hey please put those on the carpet if i lean over because by the time i get myself to the point where i'm willing to say something the version that comes out of my mouth is, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Stop it with the pistachios. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would say that you do have a middle ground. You just ignore it sometimes. What does that even mean? You do have a middle ground. No, I understand being... what it means that I have a middle ground, but I ignore it. What does that mean? That you you know, enjoy the polarity of the God, nice guy and the mean on. guy. And so you like to play that up. But of course you have a middle ground or else you'd be in jail every day. Because no, <laughs> no, it's because I just, a lot of times I ignore bullshit. Okay. Yeah. So you just ignore it. I uh, uh, ignore egregious behavior. Right. And I, and I could do that as well. Um, but I was getting really bummed out that I, you know, paid $18 to see this I'm trying to enjoy my time, and every 20 seconds, there's, you know, click, click of you, these dropping of the shells. You were only hearing it every 20 seconds. It was like every five to seven seconds, because they're each munching their goddamn nuts. Yeah, so I know we complain a lot about what happens to us in the movies. I'm really sorry about we're that. We're cursed. <laughs> we're fucking cursed. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah. Anyway, that happened, and uh, I was not... Here, the other thing is, and we got to get off this because this is long. Um, I start fixating, and it's that's on me that I can't just let it go that it's happening. But I want to be enmeshed in the movie. I want to get lost in the characters, 
and in the filmmaking. I want to, to, to be there in it. And when you got iPhone pistachio guy over here, it takes me out of it. And then all I can think about is how pissed off I am, how they're fucking up the that. You know, I just, I get a little uh, fixated, I guess. You know, it is a bummer when you, you go to these popular movies and it is everybody's scrunched in. So you don't have any free room on your, on the side of you. Yeah. Because I had a woman who had lots of perfume next to me. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I had to I had to adjust pretty quickly to that with a headache. Um, but normally, when you go see a movie, at least when I go, uh, a lot of times it's it's more empty than than anything else. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about smelling people or smelling people <laughs> or hearing the drip drip of pistachios. Um, so, right. so it's, it's a little more annoying for me because I, I'm not usually experiencing these things, yeah. but it was fine. Yeah. And the movie's great. Yeah. It was really good. So we, we ended up having a good time. And as soon as the movie was over, those two gentlemen got up, sprang out of their seats and left the theater as quickly as they possibly could. I'm sure they were like, what a bitch. <laughs> well, if they did it, they did it far away. <laughs> Well, let's move on, and in, I guess in spirit of talking about movies, we got a listener email that was submitted through the website. Just think about all the people who have not communicated with the show because they don't want to email I doubt it at dollamore.com. They would rather use the form on the website in the contact the show area because we've every single show we've had it since I put it up, has been communication. But this is Star Wars related after what we talked about about the Star Wars movie. This person contacted us. Do you know how to pronounce this name? At Attic Tuck Chuck or something? All right, good job. Um, <laughs> is that what it is? I'm not saying it, so <laughs> that's who it's from. How dare you, sir? The movie. <laughs> Starting it off very good. Yes. The movie my son and comrades have starred in is not science fiction. In your obsolescent species language, it is to be referred to as the space opera or even science fantasy. Our story is one of love, death, and redemption, not fiction. How dare you? <laughs> well, I was perplexed by this because as I stated previously... I am not a Star Wars nerd. I am not a science fiction nerd. And uh, so I had to Google this. Are you a space opera nerd? I am not an any kind of opera nerd. Okay. And I had to Google the name, this Attic Chuck or whatever it is. And well, there's like a C in there where there shouldn't be one. It's like too many consonants. Yeah. So I looked it up and apparently this Attic Chuck is... Chewbacca's father. Mm. <laughs> so now we're getting we're getting communication with the show from fictional characters. Very good. Yes. The way it is is attic hit cuck. That's kind of the Yeah. Anyway. So how are you say it? <laughs> attic chuck. Yeah, that's good. You're adding <laughs> way too many letters. <laughs> hey, that's my interpretation. Okay. All right. Well, we also got another couple of of uh communications uh, E uh, emails from the website uh, from what is turning out to be the show's fact checker, William. This is from official fact checker, William. Brittany asked me <laughs> to fact check if Jesse was honest, but I was unable to find deliberate dishonesty on his part. Love the show. Brittany is the best part, even when she's wrong about show. AIDS Brittany drugs. Is the best part. 
even when she's wrong about AIDS drugs. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then he sent a follow-up message, again, from official fact-checker William. And that's where he says, what do we call you? So that's what he would yeah, like to be called. Right. Uh, Sorry for the second message in one day. I wrote the last one before the end of the show. So as an atheist, I think Islam is just as crazy as Christianity. But in reference to Jesse saying he's glad that people don't get lynched for burning a Quran in our country... What about Christians that shoot up abortion clinics, or what about gays that are murdered? I'm not at all defending Muslims that murder people for burning a Quran, but all religions at some point in their history have committed violence against people that didn't believe in their bullshit. Absolutely. No, that's for sure true. Where you get a little askew there, official fact-checker William, is the fact that when someone, and look, like the guy who, who killed the abortion people, th- those are, th- I have said that guy is a fucking terrorist. The, the Colorado Springs shooter. I have for sure said that. However, when someone lynches a gay guy because of some cultural or religious influence, like they just grew up hating the gays because of the abomination scripture, they are not necessarily killing them because of the stated policy or doctrine in their faith where Islam, it is in their faith, their un their unreformed faith to behead the infidel, to kill the infidel, to kill the apostate. So there is a difference, however slight, there is a difference between the two things. So fact check avoided. (laughs) I think there's also an argument to be made in terms of the rate with which the different crimes occur. Sure, sure. So how often are abortion clinics, you know, bombed or people are murdered there? Almost never now. How often are homosexuals murdered in this country? Right. Uh, So you look at those, you know, what happened to Farkunda in Afghanistan and those atrocities that occur uh, in Bangladesh and all these countries where non-believers or people who step out of line in their faith are then harmed sometimes fatally. Yeah. And it seems to be a bigger problem. Well, it's kind of like after the Paris attack and everybody was like, well, what about Beirut? This happened in Beirut. Yeah, it did. And that's terrible. But it's, you know, it was a Wednesday in Beirut when it happened because it happens in, in that area all the fucking time. When this happened in Paris, that doesn't happen in Paris. It's a way more uncommon thing, which uncommon occurrences typically make more news. And that's why people in the faith, um, Islam, are encouraging a reformation and hoping to get some reform so that it is not, um, so that people aren't focusing on adhering to the strict traditions within the faith. Literal interpretations. Right. right. And can kind of move away from that a little bit. Like Christians have. Absolutely. Some of them. For the most part. A little slower on the uptick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hundreds of years too late. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate everyone who communicates with the show very much. Uh, as always, it's it's awesome to have the opportunity to talk to the listeners through email and also voicemail. Which, by the way, 657-464-7609. It's also great to have an official fact checker. It really takes a lot of the pressure off me. So... <laughs> I really appreciate having William. Here. So you just you don't care anymore. Nah, just, we're gonna start reading the mind unleashed links and green high times science and whatever. I'm, I'm gonna make William work for his title. Yes. Uh, all right. Good. 
Good to know. All right, before we move on to follow-up, I want to say thank you very much to Mark over at Mark's B-Hole yes. Facebook page. He, We've had him on the show. He's been on a couple other, I would say, sister podcasts. He is the beekeeping guy, the hobbyist, the personal friend of mine from Boise, and he sent us a jar, a mason jar of honey, his mm-hmm. homemade, awesome I, we tasted it, and Brittany was just like, oh, that is so floral. Yeah, it's delicious. And it's awesome because knowing that that honey was was harvested by these bees in the immediate je- vicinity around Mark's house, that you're tasting. We, we, that's a taste of Boise. Mm-hmm. That's a taste of home. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it's you're really good. You're bringing it right around. Right around. And he also sent two... Like chapsticks. Yeah, lip uh, lip balm. Lip balm. Chocolate mint lip balm and peppermint lip balm. And I've already been putting both of them on obsessively. <laughs> Chocolate on the bottom lip, peppermint on the top. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. So anyway, thank you very much, Mark. We appreciate that. And, and go like his Facebook page. Everybody should go li- like Mark's B-hole, B-E-E. H-O-L-E, space, <laughs> Mark's B-hole. Love. Give Mark's B-hole some love. Yikes. All right, let's get to the little follow-up. Who knew that this day would come so soon that we'd be able to ask Bill Cosby, how do you feel, sir, how do you feel about being charged criminally for the rape and abuse of a female? No, no, we don't answer that. Of course that would be his answer. But this day has arrived. He has been charged with aggravated, indecent assault. Mr. Cosby is charged with aggravated, indecent assault. This is a felony of the first degree. Mr. Cosby's attorney has been notified of the charges, and he is expected to be arraigned uh, later this afternoon. When we have a specific time... Uh, for that, we'll let you know, uh, and that's going to be at the uh, the Magisterial District Judge's uh, office in Elkins Park. The ty- charges today um, are filed as a result of new information uh, that came to light in July of 2015. Statute of limitations in this type of case is 12 years. After determining that, that the statute of limitations regarding potential criminal offenses had not yet expired, the investigation was reopened. Working with Chief Norris and the Cheltenham Township Police, uh, Montgomery County detectives and prosecutors from our office, uh, our team reviewed the initial investigation, re-interviewed some of the witnesses, examined evidence from the civil case, and information from other alleged victims. So that is good, good news. Gloria Allred gave a statement talking, I guess, Loosely, she's representing almost 30 of Bill Cosby's alleged victims, and she had this to say. This has been uh, a very long process. This has been uh, a journey towards justice. Uh, I'm very proud of Andrea. I don't represent her, but I know that her attorney and she have shown quite a bit of courage in all of this, uh, as have my uh, 29 uh, clients. Uh, we have one lawsuit. We are continuing to proceed with that lawsuit on behalf of Judy Huss against Mr. Cosby. Uh, we did take his deposition in October. 
Uh, there's a protective order on it. I don't know how long that will last. That will be up to the judge. We have filed a motion to compel seeking uh, to have him uh, be ordered to take a, to appear for a second deposition based on uh, his refusal to answer certain questions in the first deposition, which we took in October. So uh, all of this is now coming together. Uh, I think that the prosecutor in uh, Pennsylvania has looked at this very, very carefully. Um, I don't think it's political. I think he's looking at the facts. Uh, he was clear that the uh, that uh, the civil deposition of Mr. Cosby from Andrea's case in 2005, uh, and, the, uh, and what Mr. Cosby said under oath uh, in that deposition did play a role um, in the evidence that he is using to support uh, his charge. So I, I think this is a very significant development, and uh, I'm, I, for one, am very happy about it. He, he's, he has a right, of course, to his stay in court and to a fair trial, but uh, certainly the victim, Andrea, has a right to a fair trial as well. The victim they keep referring to is Andrea Constant. Mm -hmm. And in 2005, she claimed that um, she and Cosby became friends. He invited her to his home in Pennsylvania, where he made multiple sexual advances over time. She claimed that on one occasion in early 2004, he gave her pills and wine, which made her unresponsive and unable to move. At that point, he sexually assaulted her. So... This happened in 2004, and she came forward in 2005. Yes. So for all of the people who say things like, well, why aren't these people coming forward when it happened? Why are they waiting so many years? Well, she did come forward in 2005, so right. it has been a while. But what happened when she came forward in 2005 is it, the police kind of chalked it up to a he said, she said situation. Which all too often happens. Right. And so now they have kind they have decided that that is not the case. And I want, listen, I want to remind, let's go back. No, no, we don't answer that. Let's go back and just let's, let's revisit why this entire Bill Cosby thing kind of exploded onto the scene and into the, the purview, the general purview of the American people. Comedian Hannibal Burris said this on stage, which really thrust it into the, the American zeitgeist. 13, and it's even worse because Bill Cosby has the fucking smuggest old black man public persona that I hate. Just kiss on TV. Pull your pants up, black people. I was on TV in the 80s. I can talk down to you because I had a successful sitcom. Yeah, it was great women, Bill Cosby, so kind of brings you down a couple notches. I don't curse on stage. Well, yeah, you're a rapist, so... <laughs> take you saying lots of motherfuckers on Bill Cosby himself if you weren't a rapist. And so what has motivated them to pursue charges now uh, is the deposition that was unsealed this summer in which Cosby admitted to giving quaaludes to a woman with whom he wanted to have sex. Right. And... He, I mean, he he said that. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> so that's the interesting thing that I'm going to be watching for here is because Gloria Allred represents almost 30, but 29 women, right, who are claiming to be victims of Bill Cosby. We have to, for legal reasons, say alleged victims because they there he hasn't been prosecuted yet. But now charges are filed. New depositions will take place. 
They will depose the victims, alleged victims, that she represents. And we are going to get on record a lot more information then those depositions that are going to be used in the criminal case will no doubt be entered into the record for the civil case. I don't know, and I'm not going to make any prognostications or predictions here, but uh, this could be a devastating financial blow to Bill Cosby, even though he has amassed a giant fortune over the course of his 60-year career. Right. So if convicted, he faces 10 years in jail and a $25,000 fine. And he was booked today. That's right. And, and fingerprinted and the whole deal. Yeah. Right. He, he had a mugshot taken. And I saw it when I was eating a tamale. And... <laughs> It, a little extraneous information, but, it, you know, good to be thorough. <laughs> it made me not want to eat my tamale. Um, his 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 mugshot. Yeah. Well, he showed up in like a sweater and very Cosby-esque. I don't just all these stories about him drugging and raping people and then seeing him. It just kind of it makes me I don't know. It makes me sick. It makes no, me scared. No, we don't answer that. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, and one of his eyes is cloudy and cloudy and it kind of has a mind of its own. Yeah, he just it, it it's checking the, the area out off to the right or the left and his other eye is trying to focus on what's happening right in front of him. He just, he looks like a predator to me now. <laughs> you know? You mean if you were to picture a predator in your mind, it would kind of resemble a Bill Cosby well, character. I just imagine this guy on the prowl, like just constantly wanting to have sex with everybody. And oh, hit the, uh, the reading, stories that I've heard yeah, of people describing his behavior, absolutely. that's what's in my head when I see pictures of him now. Reading the account of the, uh, the Andrea Constant t uh, uh, attack, because that's what it is, he gave her like two or three like bright blue pills, told her it was an organic substance to make her just have a uh, just relax. It's going to make you not stressed out. And then he really started pushing the wine. You got to drink that wine in the next half hour. And, you know, next thing <laughs> she knew, she disgusting. couldn't talk. She says she didn't have the ability to move her legs. He started digitally penetrating her. Uh, all right. It needs to be said. No, I know. I'm just it's disturbing. We, listen, when we when we when we. We, and I'm saying the media, we and the media, when we use these these acceptable terms like, oh, sexual assault, it's fucking rape. So I also heard an account by someone who used to work with him on the, the Cosby show. Oh, yeah. And he said that beautiful women were always coming in and out of his... Um, dressing room mm -hmm. and that Cosby would make a joke. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm auditioning them. Right. And the coworker of Bill Cosby said they never appeared on the show. He doesn't know what they were auditioning for. And looking back with the information he has now, he thinks he was making a joke about. Yeah, sure. Doing harm to them. Right. I'm, I'm auditioning them for possibly doing something illegal to them. Right. So, well, he, he was released on a million dollars bond. I think he only had to put up a hundred, hundred thousand dollars of it. And then, um, give to the court collateral on property or something for $900,000, which is in no way an unreasonable request, nor is it a difficult thing for him to produce. He also surrendered his passport. Yes, that's the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. So there is movement, no pun intended, in the Bill Cosby case, and we are here, and I doubt it with Dollamore, very, very happy to hear that. 
Next up on the follow-up docket, the the mother of the affluenza teen Ethan Couch has been caught in a resort town in Mexico. Everything got, it went down very, very rapidly. It's interesting. Um, they have already filed for some kind of a, a, a block against extradition, like safe harbor, to stay in Mexico to avoid prosecution here in the United States. It doesn't sound like that's going to work, but it might just delay by two or three or four weeks them getting on U.S. soil. What's interesting about this entire thing is the fact that when they get back, there is a strategy in place. They're trying to get him uh, into the adult system where apparently he's not going to face much time, but they might get his, his probation switched over to adult probation because then if he violates it, then he will do time, hard time for violating the terms of his probation for killing those four people. What's also interesting about this is that it seems as though the mother right now, right now, faces more time and stiffer penalties than the son for what they've done. Let's talk about this, uh, the, the notion of the adult system and whether he's going to be moved. If he, first of all, do you think he's going to be moved to the adult system? And then what happens if he is? Well, first of all, everyone seems to think that because this is a quote-unquote bad boy, that he's going to be brought back to this country having fled to Mexico and the book is going to be thrown at him and he's going into prison for a long time. The answer to that is wrong. And we have to go back, Jeff, before I get to adult status. As a juvenile, the purpose of the system is to protect the child. It isn't to rehabilitate the child. The adult system is to punish. So what's going to happen? He is going to be brought back. He can only face 120 days in jail. That's it. Then the government wants to transfer him to be an adult, that is, go into adult status. Why? Not because they can get him any more prison time, but they can, they believe, get him 10 years probation or the remainder of what's left, which is eight years, and put him on probation to 2024. So if he then breaks the law or he then violates his probation, then he's going in. Government is saying four deaths. We're going to look consecutive. We're going to look for 40 years if he does another bad thing. And yet the mother faces a third-degree felony charge. The mother may do more time than the son. The mother facing third-degree felony charge, two to ten years, because what she did was she hindered uh, the uh, government from getting her son by taking him off to Mexico. You have to remember consistency here, Margaret and Jeff. What happened originally was they argued for the defense that this was the parents' fault, this permissive household, this world of affluenza, and that's why the parents should be responsible. I'll say one thing as an end-of-year observation that I think we really ought to look at. This is the story of a rich white boy who got a, a break is too kind a word when he, by virtue of quote-unquote mm -hmm. affluenza, got probation. If he were a young man of color, you would not have seen that happen. Wow. That's why people get upset with the system. Ricky Clayman, thank you. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and accurate. Right. And uh, I think it's really, well, first of all, it's great that he was found in Mexico. Mm -hmm. 
it's a bummer that he won his bid to stay um, and not be deported back to the United States. Well, that's I want to address that. It's not necessarily him winning the bid. It is it's a an administrative legal process that has to be once they filed the paper because they were nailed on immigration status. The immigration people in Mexico confronted them at the behest of the U.S. Marshal Service and hey, are you are you Mexican? No. Okay, you're American. Do you have papers to be here legally? Kind of a weird flip-flop of, of a situation. Mm-hmm. They said, no, we don't. Okay, they took them in custody because they are illegal aliens in the country mm-hmm. and started processing to send them back to the United States. So what they did is they filed the paperwork to have it switched from an immigration to a criminal court or or the the other court system in order to say we don't want to be sent back to the United States because it's an extradition in a criminal case and blah 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 which from everything I've read and everything I've heard isn't going to fly they're going to end up back here it's just the time that it takes to to work through the court system right and they're saying it's it could be one day two days or two weeks yeah, so it's right. it's not it's not like it's going to be several months that they are able to drag this out. It's going to be it's going to go pretty quick. Right. But what I'm happy about is the fact that he um, tried to change his appearance. He, oh, yeah. He dyed his hair black. <laughs> he dyed his hair and his mustache black. Right. And he looks ridiculous. He really does. It's like a bad disguise. Yeah. Um, but it's like it's like those 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 like Groucho glasses that have the big <laughs> nose and the big mustache on yeah. them. Yeah. It's like the he looks like that without the glasses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also hard to like this kid. So oh, that helps yeah. when you're looking at him and you're just kind of. Uh... When I look at the, the, the photo that was taken of him sitting in a chair in the office of the Mexican authorities, they took a photo, I guess, to verify that it's him. Right. And he got released. And he's got this. He's like mean mugging the camera. Yeah. He's like dirt dog in the camera. And dirt dogging. He's dirt dogging the camera. <laughs> And uh, and I, in my head, I'm thinking, why someone needs to ask this kid, hey man, inside that little head of yours, do you think you're a badass? Do you think you're a tough guy, putting on this tough look? Because no one's, no one is afraid of you. Oh, I'm sure his little friends are. You're a tiny little insignificant shitbag, who, who you don't intimidate anybody. So he. Wow. Do I need? <laughs> No, I no, I don't. Uh, really? You yeah. can talk about him however you want. Views, Everyone knows I, I'm not Jesse you. Um, <laughs> he's not a good person, right? But I just I feel bad for him because of much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. All right, go ahead. Because of what he, you know, his situation is obviously not great in terms of who his parents are. Because listen, he was sentenced to probation. Right. So all he had to do was beyond probation. He wasn't going to jail. All he had to do was, was not, not drink. Not drink. Which not, not be on drugs. Old. He's not old enough to drink yet anyway. And just go see the probation officer. Follow the right. rules. That's all he had to do. And his mom went with him to Mexico. So she also thought it was a good idea to leave the country, even though all he had to do was be on probation. He wasn't going to go to jail. And now he's going to go to jail. Right. And so is she. It so, is very likely she will too. He is surrounded by adults who are not making good decisions and who are influencing him to also not make good decisions. He's 18 year- years old now. 
But at the time, right. he wasn't. Right. And I don't know how recently he turned 18, but when you turn 18, you don't magically become you know, a rational human being. Right, right. So I think it's unfortunate for him, but I am glad he got caught. I'm glad he ordered a Domino's well, pizza. Right. Well, having having compassion and understanding of someone's actions, I know I can kind of recognize why he grew up thinking he was above the law. Right. It doesn't explain that's, it. Well, well, it doesn't excuse it. It explains it. That's exactly what so I was going to say. that's all I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, for sure. He does need to do time. He needed to do time in the first place because if the parents aren't going to do their job and raise him up the right way, then the government's got to step in. And do it for him. And Mm -hmm. that is what is going to happen here. We all hope that is what is going to happen here. All right. Let's get on with this. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. All right. And also, I would like to... Last episode, I, I said that our latest Patreon subscriber, our, our, our latest Patreon supporter was DJ, and we thanked him. And I, because I am a worthless fucking turd, forgot... To thank, from the bottom of our hearts, long-time listener, Brett number two. I didn't, I didn't say anything, but he is also, he is lo- like almost from episode one, maybe, I mean, the, the, from the very beginning, been a loyal, I doubt it with Dollamorer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> since, since number one. Yeah, since number one, and has has joined the ranks of our growing army of, of at this point, it's really more of a platoon, mm-hmm. not really an army, <laughs> of Patreon supporters. So thank you very much, Brett Number 2. We appreciate you a lot. There is news to talk about a little bit. This is, of course, the last episode of the year. It is. Tomorrow, or today for you, since you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, is the last day of the year and our final episode. Next year, we do have some big plans. We really would like to grow our our, our Patreon supporter ranks mm-hmm. because it really is going to give us an opportunity financially to grow the show and better our equipment and do a lot more things. I There are things that I want to do with remotes. There's things that I want to do with going to events and interviewing people. And a lot of that takes... Money. It takes funds. We've also had people say, well, we want more than two episodes a week. And we would love more than anything to do more than two episodes a week. But again, that requires kind of growing the show a little bit. And so that's our goal for 2016 is to really grow the show so that we can bring more content, do more shows. Right. So as an incentive, and this isn't a long commercial for Patreon, but it's also kind of a uh, giving you a, a roadmap for what is coming ahead this year. We are going to start doing, on top of all of our bonus debate episodes, we are going to start doing Patreon-only kind of long-form conversations slash interviews, things that I really want to do, but we don't have... It doesn't really fit into the format of the show because we've got a certain formula 
for the show. We open with the intro, talk a little bit about whatever, we move into follow-up, we do politics, then we end with something else. So a long-form interview, it just kind of throws a monkey wrench into what we do. Yeah. So rather than like starting a second fucking podcast like a lot of people do, we're just going to offer this as exclusive content to our Patreon supporters. So if you want to be part of that, jump on board, patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. 2016 is going to be a big year for the show. It's also going to be a big year because, well, the election. Yeah, yeah. And so the debates are going to be heating up, and I'm pretty excited for that. Real, real excited, which leads us naturally. We don't, we don't need to do this. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Rick Santorum dropped out, everybody. No, (laughs) no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Brittany Page is proving her worth as a predictor of political (laughs) happenings, and uh, that worth is not, not much. Call me Nate Silver. George Pataki is the latest Republican to announce that he is a dirty filthy quitter. Well, tonight is the end of my journey for the White House as I suspend my campaign for president. I'm confident we can elect the right person, someone who will bring us together and who understands that politicians, including the president, must be the people's servant and not their master. I know the best of America is still ahead of us. Happy New Year. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. I'm George Pataki, and I approve this message. <laughs> he approves of it, but I don't think he really approves that he had to do it. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, it is interesting to me that, you know, they come into the race with such fanfare. They've, they have crowds, they have applause, they have banners, and there's confetti, and wow, it's a fucking party. And then they go out with a whimper, with just, they release a video. Lindsey Graham did the, th- the same thing, although it didn't have the uplifting emotional music uh, attached to it. And Rick Santorum will be the next one. <laughs> You're holding on to your guns. To I Listen. He becomes president. I, Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> I was surprised by, because I said George Pataki would be the first out of the race. I was a little surprised by Lindsey Graham. So I was wrong, kind of. No, you were full on fucking wrong. You can't be wrong, kind of. You were wrong. I said I thought George Pataki would be the next to leave the race. And it was. But he wasn't. He was the second. When you said that, that wasn't. You're right. You're right. I am right. But I'm more right than you. That's true. (laughs) Uh, That is most certainly true, sir. All right. Well, we have talked on this show many times about. The relationship with racists and bigots that Donald Trump enjoys. Maybe not the relationship that he enjoys, but the support from those groups he does enjoy. Well, recently there was an online interview done with David Duke. And to give the audience a little bit of background on who David Duke is, Brittany Page has some details for you. David Ernest Duke is an American white nationalist, anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist, far-right politician, and former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That's the part that I wanted told. He's a former one-term Republican Louisiana state representative, and he is a Christian. 
He is the former Grand Wizard. What the fuck kind of weird ranking system have they have? The Grand Wizard of the KKK. Well, he supports Donald Trump. But not only that, he says in his own words that Donald Trump speaks more radically than I do. So in, I'm, I'm going to play a little snippet of this interview. And the first part of it is only there just to give you a flavor for who David Duke is and the kind of people that are actively and vigorously supporting Donald Trump. If it wasn't enough that you already knew he was a grand wizard in the KKK. Right. Well, if yeah, if that's not enough, yeah. this should just reinforce it. This is just icing. This is just pistachio on the pistachio ice cream cake. Uh, the, the, the immigrants and the massive ch demographic change is very, very, these people do not embrace the same values or the same principles as the vast majority of Europeans. In fact, the leftist media, uh, and you can read about it, they boast about the fact that, that quote, white people are on the way out in America. That's racist. And this, <laughs> an, an, an attempt to annihilate the white population or reduce European Americans who founded America gave us the Constitution, gave us our Bill of Rights, gave us our, our culture, that we would be reduced to a tiny minority in this country has enormous negative implications for the future of our children and the future of America in terms of uh, the values that America will be built upon. Okay. Um, so is there anything else that, that you want to add about uh, Trump? Uh, do you see an endorsement coming very soon from you? Uh, well, I have not endorsed him, but, uh, you know, but I... As far as, as what I see, according to the, the candidates that are out there now, Republicans and Democrats, I think he's head and shoulders right now above the rest. I don't agree with everything he says. He speaks a little more, um, actually, he speaks a little more, a lot more radically than I talk. Uh, and I think that's a positive and negative. It's positive in the fact that there's less political correctness and people are getting the courage to speak out. At the same time, um, I'm, I'm concerned and I don't agree with all of his policies. I I certainly don't support the idea of America supporting the nation of Israel, which has committed terrorism against the United States of America. So he claims that that person that was interviewing him was from Fox News. I didn't recognize her. I don't recognize her either, but I also think it's unusual that someone from a news organization, any news organization really, would just say, okay, well, do you have anything else you want to add about right. this topic? Yeah. That seems like a weird question to just ask. Just open-ended. Here, here's the platform. Say what you want to say. Yeah, but here's someone... Also, the audio. That's not my fault on that audio. Like, she's in some fucking... <laughs> she's in a barrel interviewing right, him. Right, right. She's inside of a whiskey barrel it that's that was what it was it was terrible right that was not your fault but <laughs> but here you have thank you thank you for for that uh graciousness yes here you have someone who used to be in the kkk is a white supremacist he wasn't just a random redneck member of the kkk he was the grand wizard right of the kkk and he's educated in he terms is. He of is a well educated having yeah. degrees uh, not necessarily having critical thinking. Right. Um, but Having a doctorate doesn't mean you're smart. <laughs> so he thinks that, yes, Donald Trump is the best option. Hasn't endorsed him yet. Um, but he also said that Donald Trump speaks more radically than he does. Yes, yeah. a former 
Grand Wizard in the KKK. Ooh, Donald Trump speaks a little more radically. My favorite part of the interview, though, was when he said, I appreciate how Donald Trump doesn't care about being politically correct, and he's encouraging other people to not care about that either. What he really means is he's encouraging people to be open about their racism. Yeah, absolutely. That's what he means. Which is really disturbing. Well, at the beginning of the interview, and it was it's a long interview, so I didn't play the whole entire thing. It's like, what, 12 minutes? Yeah, it's too long. Um, he She says, she says, well labels him uh, uh, or asks him would you would you consider yourself a white supremacist it's mm-hmm. another indication that it's not very that it's a weird thing with the interview yeah but he says oh absolutely not i have always spoken against blah 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 this is a guy who has been to protests and rallies wearing a nazi uniform right he says that but then he goes on to talk about throughout the entire interview his his concerns about this white genocide which is what these white supremacist racists are concerned with that white genocide is occurring where it relates to interracial marriages and relationships right and the commingling of the races which he doesn't appreciate so you're not a white supremacist, <laughs> but you're really concerned with white genocide right. and the treatment of the white race. Quote, unquote, white genocide. Jesus right. Christ. So that's a little confusing. So that, uh, you know, that just paints a little bit clearer picture, puts it in a little bit more focus of the type of people that are supporting Donald Trump. In other political news related kind of to Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders was interviewed this weekend and was asked about how he thinks he can win over Trump supporters. This caused, his answer that you're getting ready to hear, caused a dust-up with Donald Trump, and he kind of lost it a little and went a little nutty on Twitter like he often does. We turn now to presidential politics. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders joins us from Burlington. Good morning, Senator. This year, as we look back, you and Donald Trump are the big surprise political stories. You've suggested recently that your message about the economic inequality can appeal to the Trump voters. Explain how that happens. Look, many of Trump's supporters are are working class people, uh, and they are angry. And they are angry because they're working longer hours for lower wages. They're angry because their jobs have left this country and gone to China or other low-wage countries. They're angry because they can't afford to send their kids to college or they can't retire with dignity. And I think what Trump has done uh, successfully, I would say, is take that anger, take that anxiety about terrorism, and say to a lot of people in this country, look, the reason for our problems is because of Mexicans. And, and, And he says... They're all criminals and rapists. We've got to hate Mexicans. Or he says about the Muslims, you know, they're all terrorists, and we've got to keep them out of this country. Those are, that's what we have to deal with to make America great. Meanwhile, interestingly enough, John, this is a guy who does not want to raise the minimum wage. In fact, he has said that he thinks wages in America are too high. But he does want to give hundreds of billions of dollars in tax breaks to the top three-tenths of 1%. So I think for his working class and middle class support, I think we can make the case that if we really want to address the issues that people are concerned about, why the middle class is disappearing, massive income and wealth inequality in this country, that we need policies that bring us together, that take on the greed of Wall Street, the greed of corporate America, and create a middle class that works for all of us rather than uh, an economy that works just for a few. 
But Senator, essentially, you're saying that uh, people should be concerned about what you're talking about, not what Donald Trump is talking about. Well, not really, John. I mean, everybody is concerned about the disappearing middle class, uh, the fact that we have 47 million people living in poverty, that we're the you know, only major country on earth that doesn't provide paid family and medical leave or guarantee health care to all people. People are very worried about how they're going to retire with dignity. And that's why I believe we need to expand Social Security benefits. Those are the issues that are on most working people's minds. And what I'm suggesting is that what Trump has done with some success is taken that anger, taken that, those fears, which are legitimate, and, and converted them to be into anger against uh, Mexicans, anger against Muslims. And in my view, uh, that is not the way we're going to address the major problems facing our country. The way we address them is we bring our people together. We demand that Congress passes legislation which creates millions of decent paying jobs, raises the minimum wage, pay equity for women, making college uh, affordable for all. Uh, and those are the ways, I think, that we improve lives for our people, not by dividing us up and having us hate Mexicans uh, or Muslims. So in the hours following this, Donald Trump changed his position on the wage issue. He has previously stated that he does not support, that wages are too high in America is actually what he said. Yeah, so he tweeted on December 28th, wages in our our country, he used the wrong R. Yeah, yeah, wages in our our country, not our country. Right. Wages in A-R-E country. <laughs> Way to go, Ivy Leaguer. That is disturbing. So wages in our country are too low. Good jobs are too few. And people have lost faith in our leaders. We need smart and strong leadership now. And this appears to be in reverse, like it you said. It flies in the face of things he said in the past. Of what he said in November during the fourth Republican debate. Asked if he was sympathetic to the protesters demanding a $15 an hour minimum wage, Trump said, I can't be. Taxes, too high. Wages, too high. We're not going to be able to compete against the world. I hate to say it, but we have to leave the minimum wage the way it is. People have to go out. They have to work really hard and have to get into the upper stratum. But we cannot do this if we are going to compete with the rest of the world. We just can't do it. Wages are too high. Right. More evidence that Donald Trump doesn't have a political backbone. Donald Trump says whatever the fuck is, is popular or he thinks is going to give him traction. He did respond to Bernie Sanders after this interview. Right. He tweeted Bernie Sanders. Of course, his response is in tweet form because that's virtually the only way Donald Trump communicates. Yes. Bernie Sanders, who blew his wad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> who who blew his campaign when he gave Hillary a pass on her email crime, said, I lie. Lie. Exclamation point. Yes. Of course. So Donald Trump, again, just proves his buffoonery. He is just putting it on parade for the American people and the world to see. Right. His claim is that he was not speaking of wages in general, just the minimum wage. But the thing is, he said wages are too high. Right. So you did say that. Yeah, you, that's exactly what you said. So sorry. Sorry, Charlie. Right? I guess. All right. <laughs> All right. So we. this is also follow-up, but I didn't want the first half of the show to be 45 minutes long. The officer... In the Tamir Rice shooting, 
Timothy Lohman, it is official now that he is not going to be charged in the killing of the 12-year-old who was holding a toy gun. The prosecutor in the case gave, I'm going to play two clips here, and he gave a an odd legal explanation full of lawyer talk as to why exactly he's not being charged. Real quick before you play that, I just want to kind of review what the situation is really oh, yeah, quick let's with Tamir do that. Rice. Yeah, let's do that. So this happened in Cleveland, and this was the situation where Tamir Rice, he's, he was a 12-year-old boy who had a toy gun. He had removed the orange cap from it. Um, there were reports. People had called in and said, there's this kid and he has this gun. We think it's fake. There were reports that people thought it was fake. Yeah, right. No, the, the 911 calls say right. there are, there are, it's not just reports of that. It is, it's documented. It's fact that people were telling 911, eh, it's probably fake. Right. So when they called in, they said that. And apparently that wasn't relayed to the police. That is right. The police rolled up on scene and got out of the car and shot within like two seconds. Right. In fewer than two seconds, they shot him. They pulled up onto the grass, jumped out of the car, no time to make a decision, and blew him away and killed him. 12 years old. 12 years old. Not being charged. And here is the reason given. In a case called Graham versus Connor, the United States Supreme Court said that in any review of a police officer's use of deadly force, the, the, the court requires that the incident be analyzed under the Fourth Amendment and its reasonableness standard. Without the Fourth Amendment analysis, it is not possible to determine whether an officer's use of deadly force is or is not a crime. In a case called Tennessee versus Garner, the United States Supreme Court again said that a police officer may use deadly force when the officer has probable cause to believe that the suspect poses a threat of serious physical harm to the officer or to others. In the Graham case, the U.S. Supreme Court again said that the reasonableness of the officer's actions must be judged from the perspective of the reasonable officer on the scene and not through the lens of 2020 hindsight. Allowing for the fact that police officers are often forced to make split-second judgments in circumstances that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving. So, he talks there about probable cause that there is a reasonable expectation to be harmed, and then also that you need to look at this from the cop's perspective, not through 2020 hindsight. I think all of that is relatively reasonable. However, not charging him is un unreasonable. These cops, even if they weren't told, which we now have come to understand that it's probable that information was not passed along to them, that he was, uh, that it may have been a toy. But they knew he was a 12-year-old kid. They knew he was a, ch well, they knew he was a child, a kid. I don't think they knew. They didn't think he was a grown man they were rolling up on. Right. But they have all the time in the world to to talk about what's happening as they're going to the scene, these two cops. Right. Well, you'd think. They're driving together. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're not talking about what they're going to have for lunch. Hopefully not. They roll up. They don't pull up near him. They don't pull up at the curb. They don't pull up down the street and try to get a visual to see what's happening of this kid who's standing alone in a little grassy area of a park. Mm -hmm. 
They roll up onto the sidewalk, into the park, onto the grass, immediately leave the car, and in one, two, dead. In fewer than two seconds, no decision was made, no discussion seemingly was had, and they jumped out, and they they killed a 12-year-old child. Part two of his explanation is here. In a recent United States Court of Appeals case for the Sixth Circuit called Mullins v. Act, decided this past November, the court said that in making this judgment, we must be careful not to substitute our personal notions of proper police procedure for the instantaneous decision of the officer on the scene. Rather, we must adopt a built-in measure of deference to the officer's on-the-spot judgment about the level of force necessary in light of the circumstances of a particular case. After all, what constitutes reasonable action may seem quite different to someone facing a possible assailant than to someone analyzing the question at leisure. In a case called Livermore versus Lublin, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals again explained that when reviewing an officer's use of deadly force, we must disregard the events leading up to the incident of deadly force and instead focus on the split-second judgments made immediately before the officer allegedly used excessive force. That's all good and fine for 2006, before the iPhone, before everyone having a video recorder in their pocket. That is great when we didn't know for, for with some level of certainty that cops in large part are abusing their power and using excessive force to kill citizens of this country. Whether it be in, in Staten Island, New York for a man who is selling loose cigarettes or whether it be the, 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 the guy in South Carolina who's shot and murdered in the back and then a taser is placed, planted at his dead body to make it look like he tried to assault the officer. We are seeing it is a, a picture is coming into focus that that is the case. There is a systemic abuse of power by the police being used in the United States on a scale that is epidemic. So the rationale that they're using here is flawed for the fact that we are seeing it all over the country, abuse of power. And this is another case of it. Too quick to act. His, his, his actions are either intentionally shitty or just bad judgment. Either way, it's criminal. Right. And I would like to compare it to this situation that happened a couple of days ago in Connecticut. Um, Elaine Rothenberg, 66 was cuffed after walking outside the local precinct station house brandishing a fake handgun. The North Carolina woman pointed the gun at two civilians, asking if they were police officers. The civilians were able to get away unharmed. Then she stood in front of an employee entrance and, with the handgun raised in a shooting stance at police, yelled that she hated cops and then screamed, Boom, boom, boom. She eventually threw the gun and was taken into custody. Let me guess, Brittany Page. This is a black lady 
and they treated her with respect and dignity, right? No. Oh, no. She's white. She's a white lady mm-hmm. who was treated with respect and dignity. Who literally pointed the gun in a shooting stance. That is how this is reported. And said, boom, 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 I hate police. And will live to tell the tale. I mean, that is anyone, and I've seen plenty of people defending this decision. Uh, Please tell me what happened here. Right. Well, they did the right thing there. Right, of course. They did the wrong thing in these other cases. But people are saying, you know, that Tamir Rice, oh, it's an unfortunate situation, but yeah, we're happy with the decision. Uh, No. No, it isn't just an unfortunate situation. And we can't keep having unfortunate situations. Right. How many unfortunate situations do we have to face? That no one's learning from. Before we stand up and say as a society, as a culture, no more. Well, what's the purpose of these continuous unfortunate situations? No one's learning anything. There haven't been improvements made. We must give deference to the cops' perception of what the danger level on this. No, we need better cops. We need better cops with better perception. That's what we need. We will continue to report on this and let you, well, I guess there's really nothing more to report on in this case. This cop goes back to regular duty. He gets to be a cop. He gets to move on with his poor perception and possibly murder more 12-year-olds. It's disgusting. Hard to transition out of this to end the show. (laughs) But uh, there is something I want to talk about that's very funny, and we will wrap this up. Uh, There has been a spate of terrible tornadoes in the tornado belt of America. The estimated damage is estimated at 1.2 billion. Yeah, uh, they are. I think they're they're focusing or giving blame to this El Nino that's happening right now. That there are going to be probably more to come as well. But there have been more F4 or F5 tornadoes than something something something. I'm not reporting. I'm just. Obviously, you're not when you say something, something, something. <laughs> well, I was giving William a little ammo. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there has been a lot going on. And In there North has been Texas. Immense property damage and loss of life. So far, the death toll is at eight people. Ah, it's very sad. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the tornado apparently avoided a certain neighborhood in Texas because someone used their Jesus magic to take command of the storm and send it elsewhere to do property damage and kill. We actually went outside and started commanding the winds because God had given us authority over the winds, the airways, and we just began to command this storm not to hit our area. We, we spoke to the storm and said, go to unpopulated places. It did exactly what we said to do because God gave us the authority to do that. <laughs> This is a, an NPR interview, so thanks NPR for the audio. Um, this is a woman named Sabrina Lowe, who apparently doesn't understand that the storm didn't go to unpopulated areas. Well, unless the Dallas area is an unpopulated area. Yeah, it's just a rural. Dallas is very rural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this this article I have up now says that uh, 11 people died. Yeah. So I'm sure the count is kind of growing. Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. 
So I don't know. This is it's funny. It's tragic. It's sad. I don't think it's funny in any way. Actually, yeah? I'm gonna have to go with that because this is just so disturbing to me. I can't even begin to describe it. That someone would be so out of touch with what they are saying, with what the implication is of what they are saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I so guess she's, I see that. She's saying that that she had the power to send this tornado wherever she could, and. You know, she didn't send it up back into the sky. Right. Yeah. Why not? She didn't get rid of it. If you have command of the winds and the airways, as you say, why don't you send the fucking tornado back into the sky? Also, can you get rid of them entirely? (laughs) And also, with this power that you have, could you also get rid of earthquakes and rabies and cancer? Could you share? I don't know why I said rabies before cancer. (laughs) Uh, Could you share the. What's the specific ingredients for the spell? Is it just expecto patronum or or something more Jesus centric? Right. So the implication here is that this person was given power and screw all those people that died. Right. Th- what that's makes the implication. Her so special. That's the implication and you can't get away from it when you say something like this. You cannot get away from that logic. Yeah. Because when you're saying that, that is automatically, you know, double listening. When you say that, I hear this. And yeah. what what is the answer for that? No good. It is horrific to me. Yeah. And yeah, you're I, right. You're right. I mean, I still find it funny because I have a perverse sense of humor. But uh, it is... It's twisted. It is sickening. It's just like when anyone is interviewed on the news after a disaster and they say, you know, God saved me. God saved my home. You're automatically saying that God chose not to save whoever died. You're special enough for the creator of the universe to care enough to save your property and your life. But fuck everybody else. And I'm sorry, but more than a thousand buildings were destroyed. And there's there's a there's one point two billion in damage. There was a lot of bad stuff that came out of this. Right. And and there will be more to come. And you're going to take responsibility for it. That's what she's doing. Right. Yeah. Should we send her the bill? (laughs) Sabrina Lowe. We should look up her address and send her the bill. We are going to end it there, everybody. We appreciate you listening we had a great, great year with you. It, it 2015 was spectacular. We, you know, this this show in just a few months will be into our, well into our second year. And we are happy to be with you twice a week. You guys, your support and your listenership and your participation is awesome. If you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week, you can go to dollamore.com. You can go to the support the show link on the left-hand side. There is an Amazon search bar. You can go to Patreon to support us and be a, to, a an active monthly partner with us. That would be great. 2016 is going to be a big deal for the show, and we want you along for the ride. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. And once again, this has been I Doubt It. I'm sure they were like, what a bitch. <laughs> <laughs>